Williams and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. This is Jory Craig with us earlier today. We just had him on about a half hour ago here on the Birds and Gambo show. Cam Johnson injury is a big deal, but he believes this team is built to withstand it. That's a huge loss. He's a, a big part of this team, an important part of this team. I think he had made tremendous leaps uh, in his role, stepping up um, and, and having an identity with this team. So losing a player like that is going to impact you immediately, but I feel like if any team is built for it, we are. We always have the, the next man up mentality, and um, it's no different now. We, we've been doing it every year when, when guys got hurt with, with Book and CP and, and Cam and, and and those guys. So we just have guys stepping up, and, and that's what this team is built for. Our good friend Ringer, Tim Ring, is filling in for Gambo today, and, and we've talked a lot about Cam Johnson today. The news came out this morning from Brian Windhorst of ESPN. Um, he had the surgery to remove part of the meniscus from his right knee he's going to be out a month or two how is this going to work without him well what 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 needs to happen in the absence of cam johnson do they need to trade jay asap do they need to go sign mellow like some in the fan base are asking for do they need to just not yet ride this out and see what they've got do the tory craig plan hey we're built for this we're fine we're okay yeah. how do the Suns? we haven't really had this conversation yet what are they going to do? How are they going to manage now the next month or two without Cam Johnson? I'm not sure they're going to go out with Crowder and make a deal that they wouldn't have made before, a.k.a. Well, we don't. We didn't think this deal was good before, but now we're going to have to make it. I don't think they're going to do that yet. I don't think they're going to do anything drastic like sign a Carmelo Anthony yet. Let's see how this plays out. Your tone suggests, though, that there could be an expiration date on that sort of mentality, right? I'm a little worried. Some of it's from what I saw last night, but I also know it was just one game. Yep. Torrey told us they were a little out of sorts, flying back east, time change, long flight. They just weren't quite themselves. That happens. I called the Suns game last year with Al. They had to fly to, to Boston and they had to play a day game. I think it was like New Year's Eve. New Year's or, or New Year's Day New Year's or something. Day. They got dri- I remember and watching they, that game while taking down the Christmas tree. They got drilled. They got hammered. Yeah. So there are times when the the old biorhythms aren't having it. And I know when you fly back east, this is usually a, this is usually a Cardinals conversation. But having said that, Watching the team function last night without Cam Johnson, now without Jay Crowder and Cam Johnson coming off the bench as a wing shooter, and Torrey Craig does a lot of things well, shooting consistently from the wing, knocking down open threes, not exactly in his toolbox, yeah. right? I'm a little worried, especially because Chris Paul has not been a scorer yet this year. I'm a little worried if they're going to score enough to keep their head above water. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying they're going to go in the tank. Let's say Cam Johnson misses, let's say he misses 30 games. Okay. They're not going to go 10 and 20. Let's not, let's not get ridiculous. He misses 30 games, they get him back, basically half the season is gone. Yes. Right? They play 10. Okay, so yeah, they but get can, him back half you, the season Can you gone. go 20 and 10, 22 and 8? Can you, do, can, you, can, you, can you tread water, 
keeping your head up above that water, surviving till he gets back. I'm a little worried, though, about scoring. The bench scoring was already suffering without Cam Johnson on the bench. Now the starting lineup and the bench scoring is going to suffer. And, the, and I know, and I know. Tory said, "Listen, guys, don't have to go above and beyond their roles. We just have to play crisper and cleaner basketball in the absence of Cam." I'm not sure. I totally agree with that because I think they need more scoring consistently out of Bridges and Aiton, unless Chris Paul decides, you know, I'm going to be Chris Paul from last year and start pumping in 21 points I a think, game when needed. I think some guys need to go above and beyond what they're doing. I, I just don't know if Torrey Craig is necessarily that guy because that's just not his profile, right? He, he just doesn't profile as a no. He's not shooting a high volume, he's, high no. percentage shooting guy, right? No, he's not shooting 11 threes a game like Cam would, I, right? I, no. I got, I got, no. a, I got a few. Guys Guys in mind, and you mentioned two of them, and I think me first and foremost, it's it's Mikel. Now we love Mikel. Mikel's infectious personality, smile could light up a room. Defensive ability, and at times flashes an offensive game where you go, okay, that's that's the guy. He. He has to shoot the ball more. He has to be more aggressive and looking for his shot more. It's it's mandatory now, especially in a game like last night when Chris Paul's out and DeAndre Ayton would retweak the ankle and he was out for a while. When he came back, he wasn't flashing the same level of aggression. Mikel Bridges just needs to... It's, it's sort of like what we used to say about DeAndre Ayton, and Kellen wrote about this this morning. He's absolutely right. We would have this eternal debate about DeAndre. Is it him not demanding the ball or is it the Suns not getting him the ball? And the answer was yes, right? Both, yes. It's kind of the same thing with Mikel. They got to feed him and he's got to want it because he's got the tools in the toolbox to borrow your vernacular to score. I I, I think Mikel Bridges can be a 20 point per night score in this league. I think he's got the skill set. Do you not agree? Well, I here's the way I look at Mikel Bridges. And I'm not pushing back at you, nor am I disagreeing. I look at Mikel Bridges, Bridges as a as a capable player offensively who can score, who can, if the night is right and is cutting to the basket and he's got his shot, he can get you 27. We've seen him do it. Just recently he did it. But I don't look at Mikel Bridges as a scorer, a natural scorer, a guy that when you need a bucket... With two minutes to go, and you're up one or you're down one, you give the ball to Mikel, you clear out, and say, Mikel, go get us a bucket. I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm just saying that's really not his game. Mm. There are some guys that are born scorers. Mikel, to me, is a guy who can score. He can knock down a three. He can get baskets cut into the basket. He's developed that nice little 10-foot pull-up. I mean, it's all there for him. Yeah, he's he, he's got the game, but I just don't look at him like for some reason. If if if, if Booker and Paul were all out, and like Mikel Bridges was your quote unquote best player and had to be your scorer, yeah, I think he'd be in a little bit of trouble. You know, I, I just and and, and, and here's a guy. Okay, I, okay, here's a, I, I'll buy that. And here's a guy. I'll who's a, and here's a guy who's a borderline, you know, potential all star someday. So he's still a great player. He's one of the best defensive players. I just don't think that he's a natural scorer. I think he's a guy who can score. So when you look at who's going to step up and, and fill that void, I'm sorry. I kind of look towards Aiton more than Bridges. Okay, they both need to do it. Yeah. But Aiden's a guy you can get the ball to and say, "Get us a bucket," and he can do that. Well, of course, the other guy. 
and he left last night's game. The the will the, will the mysterious Chris Paul please stand up? What where 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 have you what have you done with my Chris Paul? Where have you put him? Where is he? Okay, because because this this version of it, now I understand wanting to get other guys involved. I understand this mentality of the team to start the season. Okay, they're going to take Chris Paul away from us in the postseason, or he's going to be taken away from us in the postseason. We have to make sure we have other options so that the offense doesn't break down when Chris Paul can't get a bucket. I get that. The level of passivity that we've seen from Chris Paul so far this year in not seeking out his shot has been discouraging, to say the least. I mean, he really doesn't seem like he's just in the mood to shoot the basketball that much anymore, for lack of a better way of putting it. Like, yeah, I just, I'm not feeling it tonight. I'm not in the mood to do it tonight. And and that's, I'm really worried, because now, I don't know, something's got to jolt him out of the slumber, and I don't know if the cam injury is enough to do it or not. Well, it's going to, do you want my opinion on Chris Paul? Yeah, sure. You want to know what I think? I do. Because I've been watching him since preseason games. Here's what I think. I think he's an older player. I think he's using the season to get into top shape. I don't think he came into the season in top physical condition. Part of that's age. Part of that is you have kids, you have a family, you've been there, you've done that, you've got other things going on in your life. I've played a lot of basketball in my life. And I think anybody that's listening out there that has played the game, even at the high school level, Bernsey, when you're not in top physical condition and you're just a little bit tired, it is tough to pull the trigger on jumpers. You would you would think that'd be easier than taking it to the basket, right? That takes the energy going to the basket. Just you're kind of being. It's easier just to stand out there and shoot. It's the opposite. When you're tired and out of shape, it is so hard to pull yeah. the trigger on a long. Jumper, it's easier to actually take it to the basket. I think that I'm not saying he's out of shape. I'm saying he's not in top in shape. Top shape. Yet. And, and he's, he's working to get he's in top w- shape. And he's working to get into top shape. And I think we're seeing the symptoms of that yeah. in a reluctance to pull the trigger when he's got an open three or an open jumper. When we come back here on Burns and Gambo, hard knocks tomorrow coming to an HBO near you. Are those cameras going to make the Cardinals act a little differently now that they're around? We'll talk about that coming up. Tim Ring filling in for Gambo here on Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, Tuesday afternoon here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Tim Ring in for Gambo on this election day. Gambo will be back tomorrow. Um, Hard Knocks on tomorrow. Coming to an HBO near you. Looking forward to it. I am, you know, I am. Absolutely. And I'm not. How can I? How can I explain why I'm not looking forward to it? Like, like I, 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 I know, I know things are bad over there. It's like, how bad do I want to see it? You know, how 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 much behind the scenes bad do I want? That right. Makes, that makes me want to watch even more. And I know, I gotta it, be honest. And, with and, you. and for some people, man, they're like sails into the storm on that one. They're like, oh yeah, I want to oh, watch yeah. it. And there's part of me that's like, man, yeah. I don't even know if I can. Like sometimes I, I'll watch shows where. Where it's it's bad, like there's conflict, and I just I, I almost have to turn away. Like, oh my gosh, I just can't watch this anymore. Um, I hope it's. I don't think it's going to be like that. It's just I know the state of things over there are not well, and this documentary 
like if it shows us, it's got to show something. It's got to show something, and part of it, like, is it going to be cringy? You know, I guess that's the word I was looking for. Am I gonna, am I gonna cringe watching it because they're showing me just how bad things are? And then that also circles back to something that I've always wondered about shows like this, and that is the line of editorial content control that the organization has in saying, "Don't show that, don't show that, don't show that." And the Cardinals aren't the only one. This show's existed for years, obviously. Well, this is the first time the Cardinals are on it. But how much power do the organizations, do the teams have in saying, don't show that? At some point, HBO says, dude, we're showing that. Sorry, we we're, we can't not show that. I'm curious to see about that. I think what you're going to get, like, for example, you will get coaches meetings, but you might not get the worst or quote-unquote best part maybe for us. The money cut. <laughs> the money cut. Like you'll get the accountability meeting with Mike, Steve, and Cliff after a game, but are you going to get the best stuff that was said in that accountability meeting? So that's where there can be some movement in terms of a filter. Some may call it propaganda, but controlling the message, right? Yeah. But still... As we joked about, they've got to show something. Of course. And it's not all seashells and balloons over there right it, now. So there's going to be some good stuff yeah. about it, how they're dealing with adversity. Now, if if Cliff Kingsbury, after the first Seattle game, confronts Steve Kimes saying, you stuck us with Amendola again, we couldn't kick him, we had to keep going for it on fourth down, and it cost us a game... Like, we're probably not going to see that. No, we're probably not going to see that. Which is, <laughs> Although I would really like to. Which is why, like, the really cringeworthy stuff, you're right, we're probably not going to see. Because that's the stuff, you know. And, and I know, I know, I, and I, I, I'm trying to, it's sort of like, you know, watching, not that I'm, not that they're friends, but it's like when you're over at your friend's house, like you, you and your lovely wife, you go over to a friend's house for dinner, right? And they start fighting in front of you, right? And they're, and they're, they're yelling and screaming at each other. The husband and the wife are yet. There are some people I know who will just sit there and like, give me, give me the bowl of popcorn. I'm just going to watch yeah. these two go at it. And there are some people I know, me, who are like, honey, we got to go. We, right. We're getting, I, I cannot watch this. I can't, I cannot take. There's not enough. Two people I know and two people I like who are screaming at each other like this. It's time for us to leave, which is why, you know, so when I watch Hard Knocks, it's going to be edge of your seat type stuff because I'm, you know, am I going to be watching through fingers that are like, you know, half open because I can't bear to watch? The other thing that I'm really curious about, and again, there's no way to really know this, but I'm a, I told this anecdote earlier and I'll, I'll tell it again. So I went to the game on Sunday and I'm in the media room afterwards waiting on Cliff Kingsbury to walk in to address the media after that awful loss to Seattle. And I look over my shoulder and I see the NFL films cameras, you know, they're, they're in there. They're shooting the press conference, right? They got your bald spot, didn't they? Well, don't think I didn't think about that either. I'm like, oh, damn, they're right behind me, and they're going to see. The, the, you know, I'm so tall, people don't know it's there, but if you're going to shoot from oh, back God. there, oh, the whole world's going to see you. Oh, sons of I, I thought to myself, I, I almost instinctually sat up. Right. Like, like I'm not slouching now because I don't know. I mean, if he if the cameraman swings around and does like a right. B-roll shot looking out over the, you know, I don't want to be on national TV on Hard Knocks slouching. Well, they're looking the, good. Yeah. And that's the presence of cameras 
always, and you know, you spent your entire life in front of a camera. You just do things a little differently when you know you're being recorded. You do things a little differently. We got cameras in here, right? We don't have cameras in here. I, I, I'll probably act a little different, but knowing that we might take content from this show and put it out on the internet. It, it makes you sit up a little bit. It makes right. you, you know, just, you know what I mean? I mean, it, it does alter your behavior to a certain extent when you know you're being recorded and it might be presented, especially to millions of people. And I wonder how being recorded has impacted the Cardinals, knowing these cameras are on them at all times. Would you put on an act? Would you not be yourself? Exactly. Would you be disingenuous? Would you watch what you say? The, the But the business that they have to run the football team. The way they need to run the football team, regardless of the cameras. And I guess at the end of the day, this is what I loved about All or Nothing. You know, I love that window into how a football team is run. L- listen, we're, we're lucky. We get to go to the facility as members of the media and see things that fans don't normally get to see. But even we are kept at, at an arm's length from really, we don't see the sausage being made. No. We got a couple rooms we go into. And a couple of quick glimpses of practice for five seconds or so. I mean, but to watch how they operate in meetings and to watch it, how they interact with each other and to listen to what the coaches say in meetings. That's what I found fascinating about the All or Nothing documentary that the Cardinals did with Amazon after the 2015 season. Showtime did an inside football show in 2015 as well. On uh, Notre Dame football, and I, I like Notre Dame football. So, to 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 have it done on a team that you like or that you follow, and you know the players, and you know the performers, to me, it's just it's fantastic. Like I wouldn't probably watch Hard Knocks in season with the Jaguars next year. Mm-hmm. It's like zero. I just don't care, right? But I'm like, you look at my look at my notes right here, Burns. I mean, I, I charted I've charted every play this season. Like, I know this season like the back of my head. I'm like Sean McVay with the Cardinals. Oh, yeah, that third and two? Yeah, yeah, Gino hit Disley there for a first down. Uh, that was not a good play there by our defensive back. I mean, like, I could do that, right? So to see it all unfold now behind the scenes, how they're handling each and every week, I just think it'll be fascinating. Yeah, it's just a really, it's really uncomfortable and awkward time for Hard Knocks to start, given the well, level of... We talked about it earlier, like, if Mike if Mike did want to make a change, would Hard Knocks's a presence you know, keep him from keep doing him it. from doing it because he just don't want to do something like that in front of the country i don't think so but understand this that's a guess you said it on the cardinals post game show on sunday night and you're right nobody knows what michael is thinking or wants to do or could do or would do right i, I mean there's nobody knows we, we, we don't know we just do it so anything about that is just pure speculation but yeah I, i've i've wondered the same thing do the hard knocks cameras kind of alter that approach when we come back here on burns and gambo with tim filling in things are bad here for Sunday's opponent in the LA Rams, things are very bad there. Who's actually got it worse right now between the Cardinals and the Rams? That's next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. On the surface, and really even when you dig a little beneath the surface, it's kind of a silly question. Who would you rather be, the Cardinals or the Rams? I'd rather be the Rams or the defending Super Bowl champs. You know, right? Like, I mean, 
no matter how bad things are over there. Can't take that away. Can't take that away. I mean, no matter how many picks they traded away, no matter how many picks they don't have in the next few years. I mean, it's like, look, it's the Diamondbacks championship in 2001. I don't care all the crap the Diamondbacks have gone through in the last 20 years, man. They got that one, and that one made it all worth it, right? Like, all the pain, all the suffering, all the everything that happened after 2001 doesn't matter. They got the World Series. In so, of course, you'd rather be the team that's the defending champ over the team that's not. The only reason we ask the question, and Tim Ring's filling in for Gambo today, the only reason we ask the question is, and we will talk about this all week long, story after story, stat after stat, everything you come to understand about the state of the L.A. Rams right now, they are a mess. I mean, an absolute dumpster fire of a football team offensively the worst they've seen there in years i mean even going back to the jeff fisher years you've got jalen ramsey just openly disrespecting the offense and just talking all kinds of smack about them on sunday mcveigh's trying to hold it all together as best he can and and I mean and that's kind of what spurred the conversation. Like, yeah, things are bad here. I mean, there might be a coaching change at the end of the year. There might be a whole regime change at the end of the year for all we know. The Cardinals have but that's the defending Super Bowl champ. They might not even make the playoffs. Their offense is hideous. It's bad over in LA right now. If you ever needed any proof how important an offensive line and a good offensive line is to the success of an offensive football team. <laughs> Amen to that. Look no forward than L- look, forward, look, look, look no further than the L.A. Rams, and even to a certain extent the Arizona Cardinals in 2022. I mean, the Rams' offensive line it began with Whitworth retiring, and then they kind of patched it together, and then those guys got hurt. So the so it's patched together oh. because of the first patched together guys. So, so the offensive line they started last week against the Bucks was the eighth different starting five that they had out there in eight games. It might be nine for nine this week if they make a change at left guard. I'm reading our, our friend Jordan, our colleague and friend Jordan Rodriguez, who used to work here at Arizona Sports. She now is the chief beat writer who covers the team for the Athletic. She points out in her story a couple of days ago they have been in Los Angeles through three left tackles, five right guards, three centers, two left guards Think about so that. far this season. That matters. Oh, that matters. Because I'm pretty sure Sean McVay can still call plays. I'm pretty sure Cooper Cup's still pretty good. I'm pretty sure those running backs are still pretty good, and I'm pretty sure Matt Stafford can still fling it. Mm-hmm. What's different? That. They're pulling guys five off. Five guys. The five butt they're, guts in front can't get it done. They're pulling guys off the street. Yep. And to a certain extent, the Cardinals kind of pulled Billy Price off the street. I mean, I know he was a former first-round draft pick, but he was hanging around on a practice squad. And suddenly he's starting on Sunday trying to block Ladarius Smith and these guys, Shelby Harris. And guess who he's got to block on Sunday? Uh, we were talking about that yesterday. My God. Oh, my good. Aaron Donald against the interior of that offensive line. Assuming, as we are assuming, that Rodney Hudson's out and that Will Hernandez is out. We know Justin Pugh's out. What we don't know, will Max Garcia be ready in time to start a guard? Or is it going to be Lasita Smith? Will they go to Sean Harlow at backup center because Billy Price wasn't so good? At this point, you got number 99 on the the other side, and he's going to be breathing fire, man. He's going to be like a dragon on the other side of that line getting ready to come after Kyler. It's a recipe for disaster. Do you remember what uh, Bruce, uh, what uh, Burt Reynolds did to Ray Nitschke in the longest yard when they let him through? 
that's what Aaron Donald's going to do. Yeah, maybe they should. Maybe they should think about employing that tactic on Sunday. By the way, a side note on on McVeigh. This was kind of this kind of seeped out into the national media a little bit after they won the Super Bowl. But I got a I'm pretty good authority from people in the business from a long career in TV. McVeigh was seriously considering retiring and going to the booth. Yep. Now, people may have at the time thought, well, I, that's not going to happen. He's too young. Why would he do that? He just won a Super Bowl. The salaries, thanks to thanks to Romo at CBS, and then Amazon get in the mix. And Brady, who's... <laughs> Brady getting, you know, $350 million right. or whatever it was. So you're McVeigh all of a sudden... And, and you're a young guy, and you already got a ring, and you're like, "Wait a second! They're gonna they're gonna pay me twenty million dollars. Yeah. I work six months a year, and when I do work, it's like three or four days a week. I zip in, talk to the coaches, call the game, maybe watch some film, some tape on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Be Sean McVay on Sunday, and you know, talk it up. Yeah, I yeah. mean. You look at what's happening with him right now. You wonder if, like, he's regretting that decision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, man, we're we're getting we're not we were at the mountaintop. We've been kicked down to the bottom. I'm not sure it's going to get better. I've got nobody to block. Matthew Stafford's another year older. Like, I mean, I know the booth will be there for him next year whenever he wants it. Yeah, but I mean this this is a guy that was close to doing that for this season. You wonder if he's laying in bed going, man, maybe I should have taken that Fox job well, for 22 million bucks a year. And he got a, did he get a new long-term contract with the Rams? Oh, man, I'm did, putting did you on he, the spot. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't mean to put you on the spot like that. Because oh, I'm thinking now in a brand new way about this. Like we, you look at Sean McVay, you look at Cliff Kingsbury and, and you, 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 we all know Cliff Kingsbury. We all know that we don't know if Cliff Kingsbury is going to be the coach of this team next year. I think it's fair to say that, right? Like, it didn't happen this week, but that doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. And that doesn't mean that a change might not happen. But you're, you're making me wonder now, is there even a chance that Cliff is the head coach of the Cardinals longer than Sean McVay is the coach of the Rams? You know, like I, I hadn't one of those kind of, all right, let's think about it from that perspective. Because if he, you know, we don't we don't have draft picks for the next half decade. This team is getting old, and it's it's over, and the ride is done. And I can go make to your point twenty million dollars a year calling games on national TV. Could we even entertain the thought that Sean McVay would be done head coaching in the NFL before Cliff Kingsbury is? Problem he has is now it's a lot easier to walk away after you win a Super Bowl than it yeah. is after going six and eleven. I'll say this because then you walk away knowing that you didn't do a good job. Yeah, I'll say this about the Rams. Yes, you and I both agree we'd rather be the Rams, even though they're a mess right now. The one thing I'm glad we don't have here is the Jalen Ramsey situation. Because that is... That's a mess. I don't like it. I don't he, like he it. He just flat out... I mean, you talk about crossing lines. He crossed every line you could... And calling out his offense the other day. Man, that was... That's kind of, At least for as bad as it is here, you haven't seen that here with the cards yet. At uh, least there's that. Team game. Team game, man. You can't do that publicly. Let's not be naive. In the history of the NFL, I'm sure plenty of defenses have been upset with the offenses and vice versa. You got to keep that stuff in house. Yep. You got to keep it in house. Like I said earlier, before you hit that live read, if, if they lost in a shootout, the Rams, 
You can bet your bottom dollar. Does that still the phrase, by the way? Bet your bottom dollar that Matthew Stafford would not, you know, go on a profanity laced diatribe calling out his defense after the game if the Rams lost in a shootout. Not okay for him to do it then. Not okay for Jalen Ramsey to do it now. That is still saying. Sun will come out tomorrow. You bet your bottom dollar. Bet your bottom bet tomorrow. dollar. <laughs> Sun will come out. Whoopsie daisies. <laughs> <laughs> is, that a, is that a thing? People still say that? <laughs> Smashing Pumpkins and Jane's Addiction are coming to Footprint Center for the Spirits on Fire Tour, November 18th. Head to the contest page now at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets. All right, something we haven't talked about yet today because it's out. After a huge weekend of college football, we've got our brand new top six. And look at that. Is the Pac-12 going to get in? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Look who's in the top 20. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? All right, games that uh, we're going to watch tonight locally. We've only got one team in action tonight. That'd be the Coyotes. Oh! Beating the Buffalo Sabres 2-1 on their 37-game road trip. This is game two. Of their 37-game road trip. I exaggerate, but not by a lot. They're not back until December 9th. Why are they on the road so long? Because they got to build that um, the locker room. They got they have so they're playing. You know, but the, they've already played games. There. They, they have, but the, the so they have to build an NHL caliber locker room per the rules with the players' association. And, and they, you can't play games there while they're doing that. Well, you can't. They made an, a deal with the NHL. Look, the thing's not going to be done by the start of the season. But if you put us on the road for most of the first month of the season, we can get the annex done by the time we come back from the road trip. And so they played four games at home. The locker room situation was kind of a mess for both teams for those four games. The plan is that when they get back from the long road trip, the annex will be done. Both teams will have an NHL caliber locker room, and then they can play all their games at home if they want. You know, so it's, it's they just got to finish building the building, basically. And then when the Coyotes leave Mullet Arena three years from now, four years from now, ASU Hockey will basically be gifted with an NHL, NHL level locker room and weight room and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's uh, that's why they're on the road so much. Okay, December 9th. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was laughing because of the you know, the. When I grew up, the Bulls always had a really long road trip early in the season. They called it the circus trip because mm-hmm. the Ringling Brothers Barnum & Bailey Circus would come to Chicago Stadium. Yeah. The Bulls would then go on a long well, road trip. Spurs still, do they still have the ro- the rodeo trip? They had the rodeo trip? I know they had that for years, right? They they The, the rodeo would come to town and the Spurs would go on like a three-week road trip because it's like, sorry, man, we love you, but the rodeo makes a lot of money for us, so you're out. Um, yeah, the... the but, this, I, but I've never heard of the rebuilding the locker room. The, the Coyotes have their own circus, and it continues on for the better part of 12 years. Oh, we love them, though. That, we, we love them. We love them, but um, <laughs> that, I mean, even if they get approved for this Tempe building, which I keep hearing positive things about, like there's real positive momentum that might happen, and that's not just spin. I do hear that. Um, man, it, it's still going to take three years before they build it. They, they, we were talking with Javier Gutierrez about this during their home opener. 
they, they literally have to remediate a dump. I mean, they, they, it's, 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 they're going to build the arena on the site of a garbage dump. They have to move all the garbage out. And then they have to build the arena and build all the other stuff. It's going to take a while before they've got an arena down it there. It was before my time. How long did it take the arena in Glendale to, by the time they, from the time they stuck the shovel in the dirt with the TV cameras there? Two and a half years? To the time it opened up. Two and a half years? 20, like 30 months? But okay. I'm just spitballing. I'm just guessing. Not sure. Not sure. I think about 30 months. We're a ways away. Yeah, we're a ways away. Get comfortable. There's your, there's your point. Yep. Um, it's not on tonight, but it was just on a second ago. They revealed the latest top 25 in college football, the playoff championship rankings. Georgia won. We got a new number one. Ohio State <laughs> two. Michigan three. TCU four. Tennessee five. Oregon. Six, Michigan seven. All right, Oregon trying to. Oh, not Michigan. I'm sorry. Um, LSU. LSU. So LSU. LSU is a two loss team. They're at seven, and then LSU might very well have a crack at number one Georgia in the SEC championship. Ohio State and Michigan at two and three. Obviously, they're going to play each other. TCU is just hanging there at nine and zero. Burnsy. Yep. And Oregon with a chance. If they run the table, a slot's going to open up. I mean, at least one slot's going to open up. Yeah, you would think. And Tennessee might very well lose. The, I mean, there's a lot that could happen. There's a, there's a, there's I'm, a, I'm talking about a path for the Pac-12 is where I'm going with this. Like, that top that top four right now, obviously, is going to shift. Spots will open up. I, I still think, I still think that the Pac-12's best shot is USC. Hanging out at number, they're not on your sheet there, but they're hanging out at number eight. Okay. And the reason why is I just don't know how Oregon can get in when they lost to Georgia by forty nine points I in know, week I can't, one. I just I I don't know how they're ever going to sell that, like because it would probably be a rematch. It would probably be one versus four. Hey, here's a game that was so lopsided. You were right, and you know what would happen again? The exact the exact same, same thing. thing. The exact same thing. And it would, would be like every other 1-4 game we've had pretty much for the entire existence of the playoff. Yeah. Yeah, it was... <laughs> I, I got to admit, I, I haven't been super interested in college football this year, in large part because, uh, like a lot of people, I've just kind of grown bored with a sport that was always Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, fill in the blank. Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, fill in the blank. Okay, not that it's like new blood, because it's still Georgia's there and Ohio State's still there, but at least there's the chance. Clemson, nope. Alabama, nope. Probably not anyway at this point. No. Um so at least uh, give me somebody other than Nick Saban, right? Give me somebody other than Dabo Swinney. It's like, give me something different, and at least this year offers the chance of something different. Yeah, there, were, there was a run there where it was getting very stale. Yes. It was getting very stale. Very boring. And unless you're a fan of that conference or a fan of those teams, every Monday night in January, it was tough looking up there and seeing the same Two coaches alternating a national championship. Look, I'll give it up to the. I'll say this about the Pac-12. I mean, they are. This is this is what we've talked about the Pac-12 needing to be for a few years now. They are very top heavy this year. Oregon six, USC eight, UCLA twelve, Utah thirteen. I would wager a bet, Tim Ring, that it has been years and years 
since the Pac-12 had four teams ranked in the top 13 this late in the calendar year. I mean years and years oh. that they've had four teams in the top 13 on November 8th. In a college, there's there's just no not way. Four, no, not four. No, especially USC's been down under Clay Helton for so long. I mean, Utah's been hanging around, and obviously Oregon's had some. Even Oregon's been kind of down. I mean, they, they the, you know, it's not it's it's not been great for those guys uh, either. And the Pac-12 now, maybe San Diego State. There was a report from Dan Patrick that kind of got rebuked a little bit that they still got to get their media rights deal and. You know, where is that going to go? So the conference is still very much in flux. But I, I agree with you. Whenever I see Oregon kind of creeping up there and potentially being a playoff team, I can't get that week. It was a week one, right? It was week one. I can't get yeah. that week one Georgia game out of my head. No, like yeah. that was that was two different. That was like two different sports. I mean, that what Oregon had no business being on the field with them. Now I know. I know. I know teams can improve, and that's what you'll hear out of Oregon. That you know we've gotten a lot better since that game. And they have, but... Have they, or just haven't been playing Georgia? Yeah, that's, I, I think they've gotten a little bit better, but I, I, do, I do think that... I think that stain is just... It, it just can't come out. It just won't come out. I mean, they, they lost their... Are you... Soon enough, it's going to be expanded now. You going to be happy with that? By the way, you're Notre Dame Irish. Yep, number 20. Number 20. Yeah, we're coming in. They, they, can, they can ruin USC season in a big hurry. They can, yeah. USC has UCLA and Notre Dame still. Yep. Both losable games. USC's not that great defensively. And, uh, boy, Notre Dame just ran all over Clemson on if, Saturday night. If all USC finishes with one loss, Pac-12 champ, they're in. Telling you right now, they will get in. That brand, that market, that history, that pedigree. USC's got one loss with the wins over the teams that you just mentioned, and they're the conference champ. They're in. That's going to do it for us. You'll be able to hear Tim tomorrow on the morning show. I'm not even going to go home. I'm just going to stay sleep right here. here. We're out of here. We'll see you tomorrow on the Burns and Gambo show. Thanks, Timmy. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Go.